0: Hi, my name is Skipper Chung-Warson, and I'm a design director in San Francisco. Thanks for listening to How This Works. This is a show where I invite people on to talk about a topic that they know incredibly well. And today, I have Sally McRae with me, and we're going to talk about being a runner, and specifically an ultra runner, and we'll break down what that means. She's also a running coach for others. Thanks for making time to be here today, Sally.
1: Thank you for having me, Skipper.
0: We start our show by getting to know our guest, So Sally, who are you? Will you tell us some things about you?
1: Yeah, I am a wife. I am a mother of two children. Well, actually, they're they're teenagers now. um, And this is their birthday month. They're going to be 13 and 15 this month. yes. Happy early birthday. (laughs) Thank you. And then um, let's see. I feel like I have my hands in so many different things. But yeah, I'm a professional mountain runner, mountain ultra trail runner. And I am a running coach. I do a little bit of speaking, a little bit of writing, a little bit of mentoring. And I'll just go ahead and pause there.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a lot of things different you do, yeah. things.
1: Yeah, yeah. I do a lot of coaching in different ways. So sometimes I'm like, I don't even know how to put it because I'm an iFit trainer on Nordic tracks. I'm a Nike Run Club Coach on the app. You see a lot of my coaching stuff across all different platforms. Yeah. So.
0: (laughs) Cool. But what's something about you that people might not guess? Something that you feel comfortable sharing?
1: Hmm. Something that people might not guess. Well, it's, it's funny because most people would not guess that I'm a runner. (laughs) I live in, uh, I live night and day in my workout gear. Mm. And because of that, you know, it's a great way to strike up conversations with people in the grocery store or at a dog park or something like that. So it is something that I, that always humors me, but is something that I really Mm. love is that I don't necessarily look like a runner, more typically, people think that I'm either a bodybuilder, a CrossFitter. I've gotten cage fighter, <laughs>
2: oh.
1: <laughs> and so it's really exciting to me that I I get to be in this space as a pro in a way that that people wouldn't expect. And I I really think looking back on my life, I operate a lot in many areas in my life like that. So. When I go on podcasts, I do, you know, we always have conversations about how I juggle being a mom and a pro athlete. How do I,
2: mm.
1: you know, how is it that I that I do what I do? But I have a lot of, of passions and loves that I don't get to talk about a lot. So I, I guess... Aside from not looking so much like a runner that people wouldn't guess right away, but also I just have a really big love and a passion for orphans and orphan care. And I have Mm. spent a lot of many years working in that field, whether in in the foster care system as a a counselor or just traveling around the world and helping out in orphanages and and in impoverished areas. That is a, a huge love and passion of mine.
0: That's great. That is an area that I think needs a lot of attention in the world right now. So
1: uh, Absolutely. Yes. The defenseless, the ones that don't have voices, the forgotten. Yeah. There's a lot of things I feel like in our world right now that we are so intensely centered on. And some of it comes back to our own pride and yeah. our own maybe hurt and, and bitterness. And there's millions and millions of forgotten hearts all over this world. And we can make such a great impact by caring and loving for the very people in our homes, yeah. but also by by taking a chance and reaching out to those that have no one to protect and, and love them. So I love any cause that is is focused on that.
0: Well, I, I didn't know that about you. And I appreciate <laughs> that you're doing that work. So thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
0: so Sally, I teed this up a little bit in our introduction, but what is the thing that we're talking about today? What is the thing that you're (laughs) going to talk about that's how this works?
1: (laughs) Well, I I think it's twofold it's um, ultra running just in general, and then being an athlete and a coach. I think in the ultra running world, you know, I, I was pretty much, I'd never heard about it. I still meet a lot of people that have no idea what an ultra is or why people do it or even all the different ways in which athletes perform in it, because it's an ultra is essentially anything longer than the marathon, which is 26.2 okay. miles.
0: Yeah, I was just gonna ask. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So because of that, and you know, an Ultra could be 27 miles. It can be 250 miles. And you do see races that are run at those distances. There's stage races. So where where people will run You know, they might sign up for a six day stage race. It's 300 miles long and, you know, they're running 50 miles every day to to get to that finish line. I personally love the 100 mile race and, you know, 100 mile races, they're run on roads. So Mm -hmm. flat roads, people will do races like that. They're run on in the hills and in foothills around lakes, Um, but they're also run at altitude. They're run in the Alps, uh, I particularly really love big mountain races. So the bigger the mountain, okay. the more that I love to do it. The sport has has brought me and allowed me to see some of the most beautiful places all over the world on my two feet. And that's, that's really why I like the 100-mile distance. I just get to see more of the world.
0: <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. How did you get started running? So, never mind ultra running for right now. But yeah. how did you get started running? Were you into track and field? Were you in sports in school? Uh, <laughs> yeah. How did you start?
1: So, yeah, I grew up in in a family of seven. Soccer was, I feel like, almost in the entire world, <laughs> soccer <laughs> is like a pretty common sport that kids just play in the neighborhood or at school, sure. locally, recreationally. I know for not me a lot of
0: equipment. In, yeah, yeah, not a lot of equipment. Easy to pick up a game. Totally.
1: And you can include a lot of people. So, you know, it makes sense that it's so popular, but for our family, you know, we didn't have a a lot growing up, especially um, coming from Southern California. I think people would probably have referred to our family as maybe the lower of the low income um, families. So soccer was a great sport for us because, um, you know, you could you could sign up and you know, your, your sister was free or in our case, my dad was a a coach and a referee. And so I think all five of us kids were able to just play soccer for free, which was awesome. So I grew up playing soccer, but there was local running races around us. And so I would, um, I'd hop in on those races. So I started doing like one K one kilometer, which is less than a mile races when I was (laughs) seven years old and I was pretty fast. I think, from the time I was in kindergarten, I, I knew I had this speed. I could beat all the boys. Okay. Like I was, you know, if there was ever any type of PE or anything, I was always the fastest. And that kind of carried me through junior high. And so yeah. um, I, I really loved running, but I, I liked the sport of soccer better. I love the, the team. I love having a ball at my feet and scoring. Running was just a part of it. And so okay. once I got to high school... I really had this dream of becoming a professional soccer player and our, our coach at that time wanted us to stay in shape. And so he really urged us to either do track or cross country. So I was a sprinter in high school and any of my friends that ran anything beyond the 400 meter, I thought was just crazy because it was just so (laughs) so long and boring. Yeah. Sure. And so, um, I was a sprinter in high school and then I played soccer all throughout high school, throughout college and then when I graduated from college, I was an, an English teacher and I just started running because I still loved to train. I had had this, mm. really, this dream that kind of died out because of some family tragedies that, that happened. And so I, I stopped pursuing that dream. And, mm. and so I loved to train and, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to set it for a marathon. Why not? And everyone thought yeah. I was crazy because it's like Sally, you play soccer, you're not a marathoner, <laughs> and that kind of like stoked the fire a little bit for me. So I would run like one. Someone mar- saying
0: that you 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 shouldn't you do that. Do you can't it. do that. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> and so that's kind of how the journey of of running started for me. Okay. Now that it's a whole other story, how I discovered ultra running.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I I wonder. So you talked a little bit about the competitive nature of running mm-hmm. and, you know, it was something that you did that you talked a little bit in your intro piece about how you find peace and especially like on these longer runs. So what speaks to you about running?
1: I think overall, I've, it's something that I have genuinely enjoyed since I was a little girl. And I feel like okay. that is definitely something that as humans, we're, we're drawn to something, and sometimes we don't always know why. I I, th- I think of my my dad and my brother. They they can pick up any instrument and play it. They can play it by ear. Hmm. Music notes are hieroglyphics to me, but they are they're brilliant at music, and they never had lessons. And they can sing. They can. They're incredible. And my my son has that as well. He's always since the time he was a baby, he's just been drawn to music, and he's got this amazing beat. And he can play the drums and the piano and it's just in, incredible. Mm. he's never had formal lessons. And so I think with running, that's what I had. I had like this pull, this desire to want to move quickly. And I loved being fast, especially as a little girl, like there's that recklessness of just going as hard and as fast as you can, but realizing that yeah. my feet could take me places. I spoke just a, a tiny bit earlier about some things that had happened in my family that had changed the course of my dreams, my life, but. You know, I grew up in a a, a rough home. My dad was pretty displeased with me and he was pretty violent. And so running was also something that just made me feel free. Hmm. I know that like when I was a kid, it was something that not only made me feel free, but it was just fun too. So it was if we played tag or we had a race, I, I loved to win. So I had this competitive spirit. So it kind of fed a lot of different things just that are natural about me that, that I'm drawn to both in sport. And, but when it came to endurance running was, as I got older, you know, that really became my time where I could just think where I could meditate, where I could really just disconnect from technology, from Hmm. traffic signals, from everything and just listen to the sound of my feet, listen to my breath and let my mind think about things without being Interrupted. I think overall, I, I see running as such a a gift.
0: That's great. Mm-hmm. So, you sign up for your first marathon. You fall in love with running. Um, you're taking it more seriously. What happens next? How do you make the jump from running in a marathon, which is a huge thing? I've never <laughs> run more than twenty four miles in my life. So awesome. So I haven't gotten to the marathon stage yet. I, I so want to get there. Yeah. So how do you make the jump from, I signed up for a marathon. Like how did that, how did that feel? What came next? Uh, How did you get to ultra running?
1: Yeah. This, the the story isn't so extravagant. It's just, but it is a part of just who I am from the time I was a little girl. I'm really curious, curious about how, how things work, why people are the way they are Mm. both in action and thought. Um, as a little girl, I remember having so many conversations with my mom, like these deep questions that I just, I wanted to know. I talked earlier earlier about orphans and I remember learning about orphans when I was little. And that,
2: Hmm. that
1: question, like, why, like, why are they orphans? Like, where are the, where's their mommy and daddy? Like, that doesn't make sense to me. And can we go find them? Can we, can we go help them? You know, but then just like, I loved watching discovery channel too. And, and watching animals and the way they interact. So I, I think for me, curiosity has always kind of driven me to go and discover something. And when it came to ultra running at this time, I was really just doing like one marathon a year. It wasn't, I wasn't trying to pursue a professional career. I was teaching, I was, I was coaching soccer. um, I was newly married. And then now at at this time, my kids were babies Actually, at this time now, I was also running my own fitness business. So my kids were babies. babies. Oh, okay. I started my own fitness business so that I could be a stay-at-home mom. That was really important to me.
0: Okay. And so
1: um, I, was just, I would get all these fitness magazines and running magazines to make sure I'm staying on top of the industry. And I, I loved reading about running. And there was an article in there about ultra running and these people that would run 100-mile races. And my first thought was like, wait, what? Like that... <laughs> That's insane. Why, right. what, like, why would people do that? I've never heard of these. Where do they hold these races? How come these aren't on TV? Like I've right. never, there's been no discussion of these, but it's been a while, like eighties and nineties, they were, they were doing this. But then my, my really strong, I immediately was pulled to that because I thought, wow, that's incredible oh. that the human body is able to do that, that a yeah. human body can go. Cause Like you, the marathoning is hard. Like running 26 miles on the road is painful. And so to wrap my mind around, okay, now go do that almost four times was, was crazy. And so really in that moment, I thought I'm going to do that. I'm, I want to go try that. If they can do it, I can do it. I want to see what that feels like. And I've really believed Mm. from the time I was young that we are absolutely capable of so much more than we know. And there's something so exciting about mm. that. If we believe that who we are today is all there is, then then we've stopped living a lot of the good parts of life. Yeah. If we believe that we can always evolve and grow and, and discover that there's so much more and we're capable of so much more, life gets pretty dang exciting. Yeah. So um, that is really what drove me to that is is the curiosity. And that is where the the journey started. <laughs>
0: I have to say that one of the things in doing my research on you as a person and as a runner, I watched the film that was made of uh, you running the 2014
1: Western time.
0: Yeah. Western time. Yeah. It's called Western time for the, what is the race called? Western Uh,
1: Western States. Yeah. Western Western States. States, That's what it is. Yes. Yeah.
0: And I I have to say that there's so much packed into that and (laughs) we'll link to it in the show notes in terms of, what you did during that one race. And I know that it doesn't boil down to just one race for Mm -hmm. you as a already having a lifetime of running underneath your belt. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really impacted me is that I didn't realize how much of a team and a community effort that this was and is to run even just a marathon, right? You usually have a cheering Mm -hmm. section and you might have some people who come out with you or maybe they're running with you. But when you're running Mm -hmm. that length, you need a structure. You need a pod. You need a, a support system. Can you talk a little bit about that as as a function of being an ultra runner?
1: Absolutely, and I, I believe this is one of the characteristics that draws people into the ultra running community is that it's very inviting. It's friendly. Yeah. I remember walking up to my very first race and I I couldn't believe how many people just talked to me, you know, whether I was waiting in line for a bathroom or at the start line or just people that just, they just wanted to chat. And, and on one hand, there is this unspoken respect that everyone has for each other. Like, wow, You think you can run 50 miles? Awesome. Like, I want to get to know you because <laughs> right. you realize that ultra running, although it has grown exponentially since I first did my first race in
2: 2010,
1: okay. in so many different ways it's grown, but the, the sport in and of itself is known for being very inviting and kind and chill and laid back. But the idea of having a, a crew is what we call them. You have crew and okay. pacers. And I, I do have to say a side note there. Not all races allow that. Oh, um, and, okay. and typically crew and pacers, well, crew is usually allowed anywhere, but you know, between like the 30 and 100, 200 mile plus races, of course. Okay, Pacers, um, are race directors are pretty selective about who, what races people can be paced at. And then they, okay. it is usually only the second half of the race or the last third of the race. But This idea of having a crew and the race that you spoke of, Western States 100, that race is is known for its community. In fact, it's the oldest Mm. and most prestigious 100-mile race in the country. And so because of that, it is a great honor and a very coveted thing to be in the top 10. And so if Mm. you... Our place in the top 10 is as a female or a male. That is a massive accomplishment. You know, our sport is not in the Olympics yet. Yeah. Um, but I would say that Western States is one of the biggest stages for the ultra and trail running community all over the world. Okay. The lottery is incredibly difficult to get into now. It wasn't when yeah. I first started, <laughs> but now it's, you know, people will wait four or five, six years before they get picked to do the race. But if you're in the top 10, then you can continue to come back. And so okay. for those that like to race the 100 miles, that is a, a big deal. So the crew part of this race, because it is such a prestigious race, it's such an important thing to have a good crew that can support you and make sure that you're successful in this race. They also allow you to have two to three different pacers starting at mile 60, Forest Hill, which is the, one of the okay. most famous aid stations in the whole race. And where people say the, the race actually begins, which is funny to think it's 60 miles into the race. <laughs> but that's where people really start racing really right. hard. So, yeah. the crew, when I did this race in 2014, I remember, and, and, and if people go and watch the, the film Western Time, the whole storyline is that I was on this journey of a dream. And the dream had really started out just first of all with me um, being signed. Uh, as a professional athlete, which had been a, a dream of mine since I was a little girl and mm. you know I, I speak quite candidly along the way about the people that support me and and the people that believed in me when i I really didn 't always believe in myself yeah. and I talk about some some dark seasons in my life and things like that. so the crew essentially is made up of people that you trust to speak truth into. You know your life is as as an athlete. That even when you're hurting and, and you're feeling down, like they're going to say, "Hey, but remember your goals. That's more important than what you're feeling in yeah. this moment. That this moment that is going to pass." Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, ultra runners. That many of them will say this: that their their crew or the people that they end up training with. You know, your your training runs sometimes on the weekends are three, four, five, six hours long. They kind of become like family to you. They become like your best friends. And if if you can think in our world right now, when do you ever go hang out with a friend for four or five, six hours uninterrupted? Sure. And when do, when do you have conversations that are that long? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of all my years of training over the past decade, and the long runs that I would have with my training partners. I mean, I, some of the best conversations of my life, but But typically those lead to, you know, you really start getting beyond the surface stuff. You stop talking about just the weather and, you know, what are you eating after this run today? And you really start talking about life. And, you know, a hundred mile race you go through, you have to line up at the start line and know and accept you will hit a dark spot. You will Mm. hit a point that you're going to want to drop out, that you're going to feel low, that... Your nutrition might be off, or you're you're barfing your brains out on the side. Your body is going to be pretty upset that you are pushing it as hard as you can for so long. And so, I think what is so important about crew is that these are also people that see you at your worst. So you see runners come in, and sometimes they do kind of snap at their crew and they're not so nice, or they're like their crew is, you know, patting their back as they're vomiting, you know, at their feet, and you realize that you are just in every way stripped down and in this raw form when you're racing these long distances and your crew accepts you for that and they encourage you to keep going no matter how bad you feel about yourself and so I think that there's something to be said about the sport in the way that it really invites people to get to know each other on a deep level and to accept Mm. you right right where you are for who you are. And you don't get that a lot. And, you know, the road races are shorter, you know, you, you could show up to a a 5k, walk up to the start line 10 minutes before race it and hop in your car and go home, you know, (laughs) be in and out of the whole thing in less than an hour. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I I'm around the road scene constantly. I mean, that's, I, I kind of, I really live my whole life in all terrain running track road mountain all of it and so it there is nothing like the the trail and ultra community though it's very unique.
0: I hear you mm-hmm. so I want to switch gears for a moment from you as a runner and you as an ultra runner talk about what you do as a coach and this is one of the first ways that I encountered you or at least your voice um, okay. was on the um, Nike Run Club app oh and- <laughs> Yeah, Very I don't know cool. that I shared that with you. Yet. No, yeah, no, so, you
1: didn't. I love it. <laughs> um,
0: what did you do? And
1: my hill uh, workout, the speed workout. Yeah, I did workout. a couple of your. I did a couple of your hills
0: because I because I I live in San Francisco and lots of hills. Yes. Right? Oh my
1: so gosh! I, yeah. So I saw
0: I saw the hill workout and I was like, well, I have to do this one. I'm here. Like I see a hill in front of me, so I have to do the hill workout. <laughs> I love but I'd love it. to hear about like what is your difference. Like, do you, do you feel like it's just a different hat that you put on, but you're always Sally, or is there a different mode that Mm -hmm. you come into as a coach versus when you're running?
1: I'd like to think of myself as always being who I am, no matter where I am or or who I'm around. I I believe that even more so than ever, especially in a world, a digital world and social media heavy way that we communicate. I I made a very, you know, it was it was a strong decision of mine that if someone follows me on social media that when they meet me face to face, that I am no different. Mm. Um, and I know that in my personal life it that's been a really difficult thing for me when I, you know, I follow people on social media and I meet them face to face. I'm like, wow, like you're you're not there's a gap. You're not yeah. your character. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. a character, you're a character right. online and um, and I just believe that that's a really hard place to be as, as a human. It's, it's hard to, and it's stressful and it's anxiety inducing. And so I sure. feel like, you know, the opportunities that I have been given, you know, I had, I had these dreams for so long as a young girl and I just. I feel like it has just been such a gift and and a blessing to have the opportunity to to be a professional athlete, to own my own business and coach people all over the world, to, you know, have a platform as an iFit trainer and a Nike Run Club coach. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't take those things lightly. And I think that too much is given, much is required. And so I feel like if I, there's two ways I can always use my platform and it's hard because I'm, I'm a human being and I'm prideful and, um, I like things to be about me, but I, I feel like if I want something to really last, if I want something to be valuable long after I'm gone, then it can't be about me. And so when I coach, or if I'm standing at the start line, I want to make sure that, I am who I always am and and who I was, I was made to be. And that's just, just Sally. So, um, my, I, I understand even from a young age, I've always loved to teach to counsel to coach. I've loved that since I was little. And I actually started doing that when I was like 12 years old, I would come in as an assistant assistant coach or assistant caretaker with kids or, something I have just that in me. And I I just love to make, if I can make somebody feel seen and valued and just the power of being able to believe in somebody. You know, I I lost my mom when I was 17 years old and she was one of the most encouraging. Thank you. It's been, it's been so long, but she was a very powerful woman. And long before social media, no one knew who she was, but yeah. I always wish that people could have met her because she spoke so much truth and encouragement into my life. And her, the thing that she would tell me over and over again was just, just be Sally, yeah. you know, and you know, as you grow up as, as a young girl, there's, you have a lot of discouragements. And I was constantly dealing with that. And she would just say, just, you know, just be who, who you are. So I, I try to carry that in into my coaching. I try to carry that. I'm going to encourage whoever's listening to me on the app that you can do this yeah, and that you can be the best version of yourself. That it's so important that you see the value in showing up every day because you are worth it. Yeah. But I believe as an athlete too, I have to believe those things in myself as well.
0: Plus one to those things. <laughs> I think those are super important. I, I know that a lot of people... And we could get into conversations about limiting ideas or limiting beliefs. But a lot of people, they don't think of themselves as a runner. But a lot of people aspire to do more running, to be more mm-hmm. active. So to someone who's listening who might be thinking, well, you know, this is fine. And that's fine for Sally. And that might be fine mm-hmm. for Skipper. But I'm not a runner. I don't, I don't like doing that. But mm-hmm. I'd like to try it. How would you suggest that someone start?
1: Yeah, I mean, I... <laughs> I giggle about this because at what you just said is, is a lot like my husband. <laughs> we met in college as soccer players, so he's very much a soccer player. So when I really dove headfirst into ultra running, he was 100% like, why? That's, <laughs> not only does that sound so boring and terrible, but he has zero desire to do it. I mean, okay. and I mean that in every way, just that sounds just not fun. However, he has been such an incredible support to me. And I feel like in some ways, because he doesn't do it, he's, he's like the best support I could Mm. ever ask for because Mm -hmm. it's pure. It's purely based on, I want to see you do what you love. And I want to see you succeed. So um, my rule to myself and to him, we've been together since we were 18. So he's my best friend. And I know that to keep peace in the house, that I, I can't say, of course you can run. Anyone can run. You know, I can totally go into like coaching mode sure. and I can, and even for those of you that are listening and giggling about this, because it's easy for somebody that runs to tell you all the reasons why you should run. Sure. And in some ways it can be really annoying. Right. And so I, not... in. you're,
0: you're in, you're <laughs> in the club right? in a way.
1: Yeah. And, and here, let, let's be honest guys. Running is painful. Right. The, the reason why running is painful, there, there's two reasons. One, you have to literally pick your whole body up off the ground yeah. and slam it back onto the earth with every step. <laughs> <laughs> You're working against gravity. And so um, regardless of your fitness level or your right. pace, it requires your entire body to participate this isn't sitting on a bike with your cup of coffee and stroll, you know, just riding along with a friend along the coast like i used to do on my beach cruiser when i lived in Huntington Beach. i mean, right. that was fun. like if i like ate way too much the night before and didn't sleep well, like i could get up and ride my bike cuz i could right. like half sleep on my bike too. <laughs> and it's the same thing like if you go in the pool or Even if you play tennis, like you're, you, there's things, there's other things that you're doing and engaging with, but running requires all of you. Mm. And we don't always like to feel all of us. We don't always like to feel all that we are. We don't like to feel the reality of, okay, I have a lot of extra weight, so it hurts all my joints to do this.
2: Mm. Or I haven't
1: Mm. been active for a while and my lungs are screaming at me. And so we, we then tell ourselves I'm not a runner or I wasn't made for this or this is stupid. But the reality is, is that running was the most natural progression after we took our first step as children. So it is of all the sports, the only thing you actually never needed a coach to do. You don't need a coach in order to run. I need a coach to teach me how to uh, even get on a bike, to get in the tennis court, to get in a pool, all those things I had to learn, but running isn't, you know, it's, I don't say that I'm a walker. You know, I walk, but True. um, you know, I'm not a walker. And so when when people and I hear this constantly, but when people say I'm not a runner, I, I just look at them and, and I say, <laughs> but you you are even if you don't want to be. It's just the choice of <laughs> wanting to move at a certain pace because right. you know, you move a little bit faster and you're right on the edge of of fast walking and just naturally going into that jog. So I like to encourage people that are curious about it. The first thing I always say is be gracious with yourself. Hmm. Running is not about how fast and how far you can go every single day. That's not hmm. what it's about. Running is, is a gift. If you have a body that's able to walk, what a gift and you should celebrate yeah. that. And it's realizing there there isn't a, a time later in the week or in the month or this year that you're gonna get a new body and suddenly it's it's gonna do something else. This is it. Yeah. And so if you've ever had a desire to run, then know that you can. But also at the same time, if you're curious as to whether or not you could actually do it at a fast pace or certain distance, again, the answer to that is yes. I will will always say yes. So I always suggest to brand new runners, especially if you don't feel like you're in good shape or you have some some weight that maybe needs to come off before it starts feeling good on your joints, which is completely understandable. I always suggest that you do a a run walk Mm. program first. And that is just such a great way to enjoy it. I love to run, but I have days I get up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'll walk (laughs) for 10 minutes before I start running. I don't let myself think about whether or not like this is a good day to run. Because once I start thinking too much, I won't get out the door. I put those shoes on and I make myself walk outside. And sometimes I'm walking for 10 minutes. Sometimes I need to put on some music. Sometimes I need to go to somewhere that's more inspiring. I like to look at houses. Sometimes I'll drive to a new neighborhood and just go (laughs) like walk around. And then pretty soon I'm running. And so I always encourage people start by walking for five minutes, run for 30 seconds, walk for five more minutes, run for 30 seconds. And then, you know, do that for a week. The second week, um run for 35 seconds and walk for 4 minutes. You know, there's so yeah. many different variations that you can do. Jeff Galloway, a very popular American road runner, very accomplished Olympian. He has a great book. It's so old school, it's been around forever, but it's a run walk program. Okay. And it's great because it helps you to run injury free. It really allows you to enjoy the process of of just building up to even racing, but his program is so powerful that people, that's how people race, mm. you know, they'll hop into a half marathon and they'll run, walk the whole thing and, and they'll cross that finish line and it's, and they feel amazing. And yeah. So it's not about how fast you're going. It's yeah. being grateful for the ability that you have and realizing that no matter where your start point is with that fitness level, you can always, always, always improve and get better.
0: That's a great reframing. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Yeah. What's something about you as a runner or as a running coach that people get wrong? And by by that, I mean, like, what's a common misconception that people think about mm-hmm. these modes in which you operate?
1: That's a great question because I house those kind of questions weekly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure.
2: And
1: I, I would say any industry that someone operates in. I probably get it wrong all the time too, because we live so much of our lives, like as little kids, it's like, well, that's what I learned from the movies That's right. or that's what I saw on social media. So everything right. is kind of like, wow, I know, um, you know, once I signed with Nike, I think that people think right away that you're just making tons of money and red carpets are rolled out and you're flying in jets everywhere. And I have to remind people, I'm right. I'm not a pro basketball (laughs) player. I'm a pro like runner that runs in the dirt. I'm on the side of a mountain most of the time. So yeah, I'm not, not getting all that, but I think the misconception is that I'm just running all day. So people think Mm. that ultra runners, they just run a lot all day. The reality is, is that we, our, our training is very, very similar to a, a professional um, road marathoner. Okay. It's usually like a couple runs that will really separate our sport. So, or event, I'd like to say like there's pro runners, but we all have different events. So yeah. there's, there's your 5k runners and 10k and marathon. and And then there's the ultra runners. So it really, what is differentiated is what we're doing on the weekend, which is when typically people do it, are doing their long runs, but I still get on the track. People are surprised about that. Okay. I do track workouts. I do hill repeats and tempos and all of that. Everything that, you know, my daughter is a runner too. She's a, a great, oh, great runner. And we do a lot of the same types of workouts. It's just that our distances will be different. So Mm. she might do a five mile tempo. My tempo might be a 14 mile tempo where I run eight miles to warm up. And then I have a six mile tempo inside of there, you know, it's so, and then as far as my training goes for, I'd I'd say for most professional athletes, that has to be a big focus of your day. Everything that you do has to be dedicated to your wellness. Mm. So the recovery the sleep, mm-hmm. what you're eating. Yeah, People always say, Oh my gosh, you run a hundred mile races. You must be able to eat whatever you want. <laughs> you're burning like 50,000 calories. It's so amazing. Right. Okay. I believe that too. In the beginning right. that didn't go so well. <laughs> uh, I do have to watch what I eat. I will say though, I love eating and I will eat anything and everything,
2: yeah.
1: but I don't, eat anything and everything all the time. Right. I pick and choose when I do that. Yeah. So yes, I train like a road marathoner for the most part outside of my long runs. I don't eat whatever I want. <laughs> and then everything else, You know, I don't actually talk too much about all the other things that I do. I think a lot of times, and I, I actually help and mentor other professional athletes. Okay. Um, now that I've been in the sport for a while, a lot of the up and coming athletes our sport, it's hard because when I first started, there weren't many brands invested into trail running. Hmm. And then, um, after three years, four years of being into it, suddenly every brand was in it. And so all these teams popped up and none of the athletes being signed, they didn't, they didn't have agents and managers and they didn't know how to negotiate contracts and what they, they should be getting, and what was what was wise and discerning. And so,
2: sure.
1: over the years, and I, I I've had like fifteen different jobs. I started working at a very young age, so I'm very well versed as a businesswoman. I've owned my own business for a long time. I've I've worked with giant companies on several different levels, whether it's in marketing and events and advertising, communications, okay. organization, and so. Because of that, I knew that as soon as I got signed with a brand it was just understood without anyone telling me that they're not just signing me to get on the podium. Sure. They need to sell product. And that does not mean that I just sit around and say, give me this, give me that and throw money at me. I needed to be a good businesswoman, yeah. And so over the years, you know, I now have seven sponsors and I would say I, I work. Thank you very much. It's, it's a, a, a really a, a dream come true, but I work very closely with these brands in in many different ways and product development and social media campaigns and strategy. And I'm, you know, I'm meeting with their employees and, and those are conversations that I have with them before I even sign. And I make it very clear that it's a working relationship between both of us. This isn't, uh, you know, of course I'm going to be performing and getting on that podium as much as I love to. Sure. But I think that is a misconception that, that both up and coming athletes have when they're looking to turn pro, but also just the general public at large, that they don't understand all of the work that we're doing on a daily basis. I'm constantly on calls. I'm constantly in emailing back and forth and working on content on my own and helping build product and testing product. And that takes a lot of time, especially when you're juggling seven different brands. Yeah. And then outside of that, as I have grown in the sport in many different ways, it's it's really been my hope of being a a positive influence and someone that is able to speak on not only a professional level but and and in a caring way to yeah. the running community. And so because of that, I've I've really expanded just the Sally McRae brand, yeah. and um, I operate in. Many different ways. So like I said, I earlier, you know, I do public speaking, I do some writing, um, I do appearances. And yeah, there's just a lot of different ways that I'm working within the community. And not, I think a lot of it is just stuff that I don't always chat about even on podcasts. So, (laughs) but I'm very busy. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for the peek behind the curtain. Yeah, it it is. It's a thick curtain. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we had a ton of other questions that we talked about, Mm -hmm. but you know, we're getting near the end of our time, but I want to make sure, Sally, is there something that we haven't talked about yet that you want to spend some time talking about?
1: Um, goodness. I mean, everything in me just wants to like get to know you, Skipper. That's just my my natural is like I want to know like why your name is Skipper because I never met anyone named Skipper except what was it Gilligan's Island?
0: Yeah, that's named yeah. one of the characters. Yeah, yeah,
1: if it was that what it was? Were you named after nope. one of the characters? No, no. oh
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think so. And and you know, one of the things not to go too far off of it, but one of the episodes that we have planned after receiving feedback from other people. In one of the break shows. So after the first season's done, we're gonna do a break show. I'm actually gonna have my wife interview me. I'm very loath <gasps> to do it. I, I don't that. want I, I, yeah. I really don't wanna do it because that's the reason why I started a podcast so oh, I could talk must. to other people and learn things. <laughs> but I don't I don't want to be the talker. Yeah. I don't want to be the talking, you know, person. So th-
1: th- this yeah, is I mean, common. I, I see this with, you know, <laughs> photographers and filmmakers. I don't want to be on the other side of the camera. I was like, that's yes, right. but you're showing us what you see. And I want to know what's inside that brain and why you see <laughs> things from that way. So yeah. uh, I think that's great. I'm looking forward to, to listening to that, Skipper. Very cool. Well,
0: thank you for asking. I really mm-hmm. appreciate it. But yeah. Sally, I know we only have about five minutes left of our scheduled time. If you don't mind, let's get into the closing questions. And these are the closing questions that I ask all the people that come on the show. But okay. what's something that you wish you would have learned earlier in your life that you now know?
1: How to take care of myself. Mm. I, I grew up. Yeah, this is maybe podcast part two. But my <laughs> my growing up years were, were very tough. And okay. so I... I Carry, I grew up very young and carried the world on my shoulders. And because of that, I spent well over a decade only sleeping three, maybe four hours a night. Oh, no. And, it, you know, as a professional athlete, that was very difficult for me to have to understand, you know, getting blood work back and, and things like that. And having doctors say, like, you, you're you running yourself into the ground and you, you can't survive. You can't perform well unless you take care of yourself. To this, I think that will always be a struggle for me is... Mm taking time to be considerate and and kind to myself in all the ways. So, you know, I I pretty much work seven days a week. I go from 4 a.m. to 8 p.m. every single night. And I don't usually take good care of myself, but I have to. So that is a discipline that is very difficult for me to do. But I I wish that it was something that was taught to me. And I want to encourage all the listeners, if you have young ones or if there's stress in your life, Take care of yourself because you're worth it and yeah. your children are worth it. And
0: yeah. That's a good reminder. And especially mm-hmm. now when things are strange in the world and
1: yes. you know, there's so
0: much change and tumultuousness.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that taking care is both it's the, your total well-being. You're right. It's it's physically, it's mentally. It's realizing that, you know, no matter how difficult and and painful and stressful life can be, we are not meant to be islands. We need each other and we don't need to have a million friends. It doesn't matter if you have hundreds of thousands of followers on social media. There's really only a few people that have the authority and the trust to speak into your life and really know all the ins and outs of who you are and will, will love you regardless. Right. And that's a big part of, of being well.
0: Yeah. So what are two things that you're really excited about right now? And the way that I'm asking this question is, you know, are there things that you're reading, things that you're watching, other kinds of material that you're ingesting that just is like at the top of your brain, you, you can't help but talk about it?
1: hmm well um i'd say on a on a selfish personal level i'm an idea maker i'm a I'm a creator. I always have lots of ideas, and so you know right now i i I talk quite a bit about my book and my website and programs mm. that i'm I'm working on, although not announced yet my after seven years, my husband is finally going to be taking over my company for me, which i've wanted so much because we work so well together, and nice. I need him desperately his his strengths are all of my weaknesses oh. and he's just the most patient and kind and, and humble person. And so he's everything I'm not. <laughs> he's he, I'm very, very excited about that. I just, I, I can't stop talking about that. But from a more of like on a world level, a, a platform level, I feel like, you know, we as a nation have seen a lot of changes and a lot of growing pains and some sanding down in, in the past year.
2: Mm. And
1: I really believe in the process. Historically, looking back on my life, I, I think when everything started shutting down and things were, were kind of really, really crappy, mm. I immediately related that back to my life and realizing there are times in my life where I was so deep in a storm and it felt like things were falling apart. I didn't want to be on the planet anymore sure. and realizing that nothing lasts forever. Mm. All seasons pass that even in the dirtiest grossest soil so too is is where we find flowers blooming right oh, we have to nice. push through the soil in order to to bloom and this is just the way that life works and so we're seeing more changes this year i'm looking forward to traveling again i you know i typically race on the international circuit on the world mm-hmm. tour and so i'm looking forward to crossing over the pond and seeing old friends that I've missed in the past year and a half, just around the world. And, you know, and kids going back to school, my daughter gets to race in her first race in over a year this Saturday. So that excites me. So yeah, just staying hopeful and and persevering. I I think that we're going to come out stronger and realize when we look back, it might be 10 years, (laughs) but we're going to look back and say, you know what? That was a hard time and, and we got through it and yeah. we, we can do hard things. And, yeah. and that is, that's good.
0: That's great. <laughs> so Sally, where can people find out more about you? We talked about a few things. You're, you're redoing your website. Yes. You can go to your existing website now, but yeah. your website, you have a book coming out. Where can people find out more about you?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very active on Instagram. I'm yellow runner on there, which I saw was one of our questions. And I was like, dude, we could have made a whole <laughs> podcast just on that question. So <laughs> we'll do that next time. Sure. But I'm yellow runner on Instagram. Okay. And, and then yes, SallyMcRae.com. Okay. There's a yellow runner profile on Facebook and then Sally McCrae on Twitter. But those okay. two are where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, Sally, thank you so much for making time to have this conversation with me.
1: Thank you, Skipper. You are as
0: encouraging in... <laughs> conversation form as you are in coaching form on running app. So I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Very cool. Thank you, Skipper. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share.
0: And thank you for listening to How This Works. Please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. This is the first season of our show, and it would mean so much if you could tell just one other person about it and why they should listen. You can find How This Works online at howthisworks.show. It's three words, no dashes. Again, that's howthisworks.show. We're also active in the places where social media happens. I hope that you learned something from my conversation with Sally McRae. Sure, I did. And we'll talk again soon. about you have you always been in California
1: yeah yeah born and raised SoCal Huntington Beach um we actually just relocated to Bend Oregon like six months ago so okay yeah finally in in the mountains which I really love it's a little bit slower pace of life here which is nice (laughs) yeah